Hey everyone, welcome to the Live Your Best Life podcast. I'm your host, Kathy Jamison. Once a week, I'll be sharing personal health and wellness stories with you, as well as interviewing various health experts. More than anything, I hope this podcast will really inspire you on your own health and wellness journey. Don't forget to subscribe where you listen to your podcast so you don't ever miss an episode. Before we begin, I want to remind everyone that Live Your Best Life podcast was created for general informational purposes only. None of the content should serve as a substitute for professional medical advice, treatment, or diagnosis. Always consult a qualified health provider with any questions regarding a medical condition and before making changes to your diet, lifestyle, or exercise programs. Do not disregard any professional medical advice you have received or postpone seeking such advice because of something you heard on this podcast. All right, now on with the show. Today on the Live Your Best Life podcast, I'm chatting with Yeti Newenhaus. Yeti, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me uh, on your show. So you are a certified IAWP health wellness coach, precision nutrition level one coach, and CanFit Pro personal trainer. You also run the Rebels Weight Loss Club. Uh, we'll talk about some of that as we go on, but I wanted to start, first of all, you struggled with bulimia from the age of 18 to 42. I was hoping you could share some of your story and uh, what led to you turning to purging and bulimia? Um. Well, like you said, I, it started at the age of 18, and um, I think I started my first diet when I was 16, and so that was um, sort of a starvation diet, all you can eat under 800 calories. And wow. So, yeah, I know, and um, I, I lost weight, and but of course... Um, we both know that that is not uh, not sustainable for life. So, I um, I turned to food actually as a child when I was seven, and food was what I later found out was was love, was all those things I missed in life by not having a great connection with my parents. So, uh, it basically stemmed from childhood. Um, and um, and then gaining weight, starting my first diet, not sustainable. And then I figured out at 18, hey, I can actually eat all my uh, favorite sugary foods without really gaining weight. And I, yeah, I, I don't, it wasn't my exam high school year. So high stress year. Um, but I don't know. I mean, we didn't have Google at the time, so I, I didn't research it or anything. It just, it just happened, I guess. And and I was vomiting and um, using laxatives too. And when you look back at your 
16 year old self, uh, you know, 800 calorie diet. Mm-hmm. Were, were you, when you look back, were you really overweight? Did you, you know, you know what I mean? When we look back at our teenage selves and what we thought was overweight or. I mean, I lived in the Netherlands. Um, that's mm-hmm. when until I was 30. And um, I mean, we were pretty active, you know, I had to actually cycle to school every day, about 15 kilometers, so 30 kilometers. So, you know, yeah, that that is kind of normal there. So everybody is really active. And um, uh, I wouldn't say I was overweight, but I was puffy. And I heard from people. And as a child already, I thought I was big, you know, when I look back, I see a perfectly healthy child, but I was the youngest from five and I had two sisters, 12 years older and 16 years older. And they were all, they were already dieting and talking about our big hips and how that is genetic, you know, that we all ended up with big hips. So that's, you know, you, what is in your environment, you believe, of course. and that goes into yes. your- subconscious mind and they they are limiting beliefs you know eventually and I I just believed it and I um so yeah and and I think the food I was extremely lonely at home all my siblings moved out pretty soon after I was born and so I think I felt abandoned lonely so whatever reason anybody has to turn to addiction, right? It's for me, it was food. And um, yeah, you know, I had no idea really what healthy eating was. I, at home, we ate like chicken strips and potatoes with gravy. And my mom had diabetes later on. And we just didn't eat that healthy, you know, fresh food vegetable well overcooked green beans and stuff like that (laughs) (laughs) so I can only imagine what kind of effect uh bulimia would have had on your health especially over so many years uh were there any physical emotional health side effects from from this yeah well um I'll go into the emotional first. Um, I think when you have bulimia at time, well, and I had periods of bulimia, right? I was sometimes sort of free. And then when high stress would come, it would come right. back. Um, and, and I, so it was your coping mechanism. It was my coping mechanism. And, um, for, yeah, at, at times I think I was depressed too. I wouldn't want to admit it while I was in it. But yeah, it is, it is some sort of depression. And Mm -hmm. I felt, I felt like a failure. I felt like, um, why, why am I doing this? You know, everybody else seems normal. Uh, I'm not normal. I had really low self-esteem. I just really didn't know who I was, basically. And then the physical effects um, at the at the time, you know, when I was younger, it wasn't too bad. But the older I got, um, I, I got like um, then little dark circles under my eye and little blood sh- bloodshot eyes. And 
I think that I can see now in women, you know, when they do it, I kind of write in a puffy eyes, you know, after vomiting. Um, and then later on, well, I, I think already later in my 20s, I kind of um, had some light form of IBS. And then later on, that became worse. And in my 40s, it turned into... SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. I got Lyme disease then as well, which Lyme disease, um, I got that in 2013, but I didn't know that immediately. But I think that was an effect of my, well, my over-exercising, not eating, fueling my body, right? Having the bulimia, the Lyme disease also, I think, part was childhood trauma, you know, that I was just completely stuck and completely lost myself. You were exercising quite a bit. Uh, if I recall, you completed a triathlon while, while yeah. this was happening? Yeah. I, um, in, in, when I was 37, my parents passed away six months after each other, and, and they were they were older they had me very late so then i really started to discover myself and really wanted to end the bulimia and i was successful for a while there mm -hmm. uh, actually for a couple years and i i did triathlons then and half marathons and all that stuff and crossfit and uh, at the age of 40 i did my first full ironman in arizona and then I was still free of, uh, but I was, I, I was struggling with binge eating though, uh, because my coach then wanted me on a paleo zone diet, which later turned out to be a, another starvation diet for me. And it was too restrictive. Uh, so I did binge, but in, then in 2012, one year later, I was training for Ironman Barcelona and um, I believe then like six months before that, uh, I, 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 I had bulimia again because I wanted to be, well, I really wanted to follow that paleo zone that because once when someone tells you, oh, that is the best and you'll perform best and it's so healthy for you, then, well, you, you know, it was in my mind. So I really wanted, wanted to, to do that, but. I just couldn't. I kept on binging and then I turned into, I think for Easter, an Easter weekend, it turned turned into a purge. Do you think it was that it was just too restrictive, especially for somebody who had struggled with eating disorders? Yeah, it was. It was, um, it was the low calorie amount. You know, I was like, I was eating like 1700 calories a day. And, and I mean, I'm eating more now, way more than then, and I'm only training three days a week. So, you know, I was severely under eating and that would make me so hungry and tired. And being tired was a trigger for, uh, for binge eating for me too. And the fact that it, um, yeah, I just love my cookies and my ice cream once in a while. <laughs> So how were you finally able to beat the cycle, beat bulimia, and develop a healthy relationship with food? Yeah, so uh, two weeks before that Ironman in Barcelona, I, I was 
uh, out for, I was supposed to do a bike ride of six hours and I was so tired. After two hours, I came back home and I thought, oh, you know what? I'm going to put my bike on a trainer and finish it in the basement. And then I was on it for five minutes and I was so exhausted. And I'm like, I can't do this anymore. And I just broke and started eating. And also because of the failure of not finishing my ride and, um, and, and the tiredness. And then I had, uh, that was my everlast purge episode. And then I confided in my coach too, uh, that I, I, I was doing this and uh, I took like a two week break before my race. And then I, I still raced pretty well. But uh, then I was still binge eating for um, for like three years, I would say, and gaining weight because in the meantime I was develop I, I got bitten by a tick, which I didn't know, but I got sicker and sicker. So I actually developed pre pre diabetes. I was and I wasn't even really big, but my body was sick and I was not processing carbs well at all. So in 2012, I did start uh, tinkering with the keto diet. And I, I, I really love that, you know, uh, eating the fats and all the forbidden, you know, uh, low <laughs> all fat. the bacon you want. <laughs> and even cheese, you know, dairy. And, and I mean, I have a dairy farm here in Alberta together with my husband. So being paleo and not eat, eating dairy was kind of weird, right? Right. Uh, and, and I mean, for Pete's sake, if you have sensitivities and allergies to any kind of food, you shouldn't eat it, right? I'm, I'm preferring to eat gluten-free now, mostly, but I, I, do, I, I don't cut out food groups anymore. Um, but I did love the keto, that was what I was saying, but I still binged, you know? I just couldn't, uh, I just couldn't do that 100% straight, you know? I... I still loved my cookies and ice cream and um, so and and I in my mind there was still this limiting belief that if you eat a cookie you're a bad girl right so I, I really had to get over that and then in 2015 I actually hired a coach and um, I, I researched a little bit about you know, the keto lifestyle and carb cycling and big carb refeeds. And I hired a coach to help me with that. And it, it really, really worked. It really worked for me. And along the way, I, um, I just peeled off layers of my insights, internal turmoil, you know, my problems and I saw that things happened in my childhood that weren't normal and weren't great. And, you know, I, I forgave my parents for not being the parents that I wanted them to be, you know, all, all that stuff that really actually needs to happen when you are healing from, from an addiction. And do you think it was having the support of that coach that was, that made it possible to finally do the complete healing? Yeah, it was making a difference that I had the accountability of the coach and um, what for me in my healing very important was 
to finally have a nutrition lifestyle that, you know, allows some flexibility and, um, and to learn that it's okay to eat Oreo cookie, Oreo cookies or donuts, you know, or, um, and, and to just drink wine on Wednesday when you want to, right? All, um, I, I had to surrender and trust her in, in, in the nutrition part, that for sure. Which I imagine must have been a little bit difficult at first because my guess is that part of an eating disorder is that full control that you feel. Yeah, but what did help was having a little bit of that structure during the week with lots of fats really helped because my cravings and hunger just went away and and I started to see results. And when I actually started with my coach, it was a week before I went to an all-inclusive in Mexico and it was the first time I I actually uh, lost weight when I came back from my vacation. A couple of days later, I was I was uh, skinnier or better fitting in my clothes. So that's quite amazing. Um, yeah. An all inclusive resort with all you can eat food. I would imagine. Oh yeah, and and wow, and, yeah, and and I you know I followed. Uh, I ate keto style, you know, it's very easy to eat like that on vacation. Um, and then I had two bit nights, two nights on my vacation of all out anything, pizza, pasta, ice cream. And um, yeah, it's and I, and I drank wine every day, you know, not counting glasses, which I used to do. Um, and I, I actually felt I felt great. And and I was thinking in my mind, how is this possible? But it, yeah, it's the combination that um, that really works, and it definitely worked for my mind as well. Well, let's talk a little bit about your coaching. You run the Rebels Weight Loss Club, and your method—you call it the keto and carbs lifestyle—and yeah you have rebel carb parties. So yeah. I want to talk about what that means and uh, what are the rebel carb parties or the cheat days and, and is it all out cheating? Is it limited? How does it work? Um, yeah, so the base is keto for every client. And then it kind of depends on their lifestyle, if they're lifting weights, then we even add some carbs during the week, like two or three nights. Uh, but I prefer that to be healthier carbs, like oatmeal, potato, uh, sweet potato, you know, all or or um, sprouted grain bread, whatever. Mm-hmm. But uh, we do it at night. Um, we do we do the carbs at night and start the day off as like a keto day. And then comes the the carp rebel the rebel carp party, and you just start normal with your normal breakfast, and then um, yeah, it's more like a six or eight hour window of of eating. Um, you can have like um, an amount of you know carbs set, but I also have clients that. Start for lunch. I have one client that actually goes to Fat Burger every uh, every Saturday with her husband because her husband is doing it too. 
And, uh, you know, and then at dinner they have pizza and other chocolate bar and some ice cream. And, um, yeah, so it kind of, it kind of depends. You don't have to be super strict and it's, it's really a boost, um, boost in, in calories. If we talk about calories, um, I mean, for myself, I do some, some weeks I do gluten-free and some, some weeks I go all out and, um, you know, when a vacation comes up, then I'll do, I'll do it gluten-free and kind of more, I um, will kind of know what to eat, but it's it's anywhere between 2,700 and 3,000 calories. And so it's quite a bit of food. It is, yeah. Yeah. Um, but do you think that flexibility is important? What makes it sustainable as a lifestyle? and not as a temporary diet? Yes, I really think so. And, you know, I, I, I believe that um, for anybody's success, um, if you love the food that you're eating, you know, all the time, then you're good. Then you can make it into a lifestyle. You know, if you love eating vegan and, and that works for you, then, then you should, right? Um, I'm not saying you have to eat like me, but for me and for some of my binge eating clients, um, it is, um, yeah, there are a lot of people kind of that will have success with this lifestyle that had disordered eating, binge eating, you know, or even bulimia. Yeah, I think Mm -hmm. the break and then also when you go on vacations, you kind of can have a plan, right? Or or for Christmas last year, I actually did two car parties back to back Christmas Eve and, and Christmas, you know, and, and I went all out and then really after a couple of days, it's, it's like gone, it's gone. (laughs) It's, it's the body gets so used to, and, and it actually spikes the metabolism too, because you can imagine after doing the Ironmans and restricting myself uh from calories that my metabolism was sort of ruined and yeah i had to have a period of weight gain i think that my body had to go through to repair and then when i started this lifestyle we had to go up in the calories with my coach like pretty quickly because it was too low and my body really adapted my metabolism that's right, because those super low calorie diets can really wreak havoc on our, on our metabolisms and cause a lot of damage. Yes. Yeah. But you coach a lot of people in their health and wellness journeys. What would you say is the number one factor for success in a lifestyle change that lasts rather than a temporary diet? Um, the number one factor, I, w- I would say that you would have you that you love the food you're eating you know that um you know when i for example think back of my dieting days and when i see pictures on facebook of fitness instructors that oh there was this one picture and she was eating brown rice and chicken and broccoli on her vacation and i was like you know it's, it's feeling of sadness came over me so for for me that won't work anymore because i you know i 
relate that to my past or even a big salad or something I uh, with no dressing, you know, how I used to eat that I cannot do that anymore. So I think the biggest thing is just loving what you eat on a day-to-day basis and give yourself some slack sometimes. It also sounds to me like just finding happiness and joy in your life and in your food is is really key. It is. And um, also kind of letting go of that good and f- bad food list, right? And um, also what a big thing is, I find, is uh, that you don't regret or feel shame about things that you've eaten, you know? I mean, I on vacation sometimes too you know I mean there's the buffets and and I love to travel and then there's the buffet and I, of, of course I eat more than at home and uh, but I'm not fretting about it I'm, I'm just letting it go so I think when you don't stress about it um, your body just lets it go too but I think if you s- start stressing and regretting and feeling shame and you feel like a failure all those feelings, then it just creeps up in you and, and that's causing stress. And I, I think that causes weight gain. So I think it's also the freedom in your mind and and finding, uh, also finding yourself, you know, being yourself and also accepting yourself, you know, your imperfections and um, the things you don't like about your character and you know, forgiving yourself for, or forgiving myself for having the bulimia, you know, all those things, they they do tie in together. I I couldn't agree more. Um, Also, what you said about not beating yourself up when you do decide to eat something that, you know, is a treat. Uh, My my very first podcast episode, I interviewed someone named Deacon Carpenter, and he is an Ayurveda specialist. And yeah. I I don't know very much about Ayurveda yet. I do want to learn more about it. But one of the things he talked about that I really appreciated was the fact that in Ayurveda, they focus not just on what you eat, but how you eat. Are you eating slowly? Are you enjoying your food? And one yeah. of the things he talked about was when you do splurge and eat something that may not be the healthiest, enjoy it. Don't beat yourself up about it. Don't think, oh no, I'm eating this big sandwich that's going to stay on my hips for for a month. Yeah. You just have to let it go. You have to decide I'm going to eat this and I'm going to enjoy it. Yes, exactly. And and I really think that that really is how it works. You know, the mind is is so is so powerful. Absolutely. Um, So I'm just curious in your coaching work, it must be so rewarding being able to share with people how you were able to overcome your own struggles and now you're helping other people with their own struggles. It it must feel like you're really paying it back. It does. And, um, and, and that's also helped uh, in, um, forgiving myself you know for having bulimia and forgiving myself for having bulimia while I was raising young kids right it uh, and and realizing that it served me at the time um, and now that I give back it it 
the bulimia is really the reason why I'm doing this. You know, the the Lyme disease gave me. Um, I was stuck then, but the Lyme disease gave me a second chance. That's how I see it. I saw the light and I'm like, okay, I got to live my life differently. And I really think that I'm here on this planet to serve others with what I help them overcome with what I've experienced. So it is truly feeling really rewarding. And that's really the only reason I'm doing this, you know, and even if someone says on Instagram, oh, you, you made my day or I needed to hear this, you know, that is, that makes my day. It makes me happy. <laughs> I've just loved hearing your story. Um, it's stories like this. This is the reason why I started this podcast. Uh, just being able to share stories like yours with everyone. Uh, if people want to learn more about you, where can they find you online and on social media? Um, well, I have Instagram account, uh, True Yeti, T-R-U-J-E-T-T-Y. And that's the same for Facebook. And then I have a website, uh, TrueYeti.com. So again, T-R-U-J-E-T-T-Y.com. Um, and then I have also... If you're interested, um, your listeners, a free six-day keto meal plan on my website that you can download. And it, it is, um, I try to make it non-restrictive. It has two days with a glass of wine and some chocolate, um, you know, to, um, uh, to make it, you know, sustainable. And really, I think that's just what it's all about, finding something we can do to help others educate others it it comes full circle i think it really does yeah yeah i agree yeah fantastic well yeti thank you so much for talking with me today i really appreciate it yeah thank you so much for having me um having me on your podcast i really really appreciate it and i think uh as women, we should really, you know, support each other and lift each other up instead of being jealous and hate each other, you know, and bring each other down. So I really appreciate you having me. Thank you so much. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. you all enjoyed this week's episode. Come back next week for more health and wellness tips, advice, and stories. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. If you really enjoyed the show, please give a review on iTunes, share it with your friends, take a screenshot, share it on Instagram, tag me at Kathy underscore live your best life. See you next week.